0: A really cool, fun story is that the day I started on StarCraft II, it was it was like the weekend after they had um, they had announced in Korea that the StarCraft II was a thing, mm-hmm. and Penny Arcade had done a um, a comic right. on Arcade, uh, someone's... and the comic was about someone's first day at Blizzard on the StarCraft II team, and that was my <laughs> first day at Blizzard on the StarCraft II team. It was so cool, and I just thought it was like,
1: Welcome to Game Dev Advice. The Game Developers Podcast, your place for resources and in depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx 16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call 224-484-7733 or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. This episode is with Matt Shimberry, CEO of Lightforge Games. We discussed how he and others have built a brand new studio from the ground up to be all remote. His past experience working on games like StarCraft II and Fortnite, the importance of mental health and empathy, along with the ongoing need for much of the industry to get its act together to prevent harassment, toxicity, and turnover. It's also worth noting, this was recorded in June of 2021, well before the current Activision Blizzard headlines that have been so frustrating to read about. Hey, how you doing? So we're calling in from tonight.
0: Hi. Uh, yeah. So I'm calling in from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I lived here for the last uh, five and a half, six years or so. Um, cool. And it's, uh, it's hot out here now.
1: <laughs> yeah. It does that time of the year and the East coast and all that. Um, oh, yeah. So how are you doing with COVID-19 and, and everything around that?
0: Fortunately my my wife and I we weren't directly impacted in any way. We both work from home. Um and so we were able to really just kind of bunker down and um you know cook a lot of food and and stay in, watch a lot of Netflix and and, and keep working um and so we had, we were definitely much much more fortunate than many.
1: In this industry we are very fortunate to be able to do that and stuff cuz yeah it it is it has been very hard on a lot of people. Um, yeah, definitely. So tell me about your current role in this this company uh that you started recently or a few years ago, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, my current role is the CEO of Lightforge Games. Uh Light Forge was formed about a year and a half ago, but we just came out of stealth mode in the last month or so. Hmm. Um, and so we are a uh, all new, all remote uh, game studio uh, formed by, uh, founded by a bunch of uh, people from formerly from Epic and Blizzard. Hmm. And um, our, our kind of main mission is to change uh, how the world plays RPGs.
1: Wow. No, that that's a great mission um because it, it's always been very um specific right you, you know it's like this is how yeah. it is and this is what you do and don't don't go outside the lines right you know rpgs have always been very as somebody doesn't play a lot of them they felt a bit dogmatic so that's that's exciting to hear actually uh,
0: yeah that's right like we, we really want to uh, make them far more social and far more flexible and spontaneous and so uh
1: mm-hmm. you know we're not
0: really getting into a lot of details for the game right now but um you know i think it, it's, it's a really cool project i'm super excited about it and i can't wait to to ultimately share more with uh, the world
1: yeah that's great so you've been in the industry a while tell me how you got started
0: yeah, um so i'm one of those people that always knew that i wanted to work in games uh, ever since i was a kid uh you know going back to like middle school uh, i was constantly making levels in warcraft mm-hmm. 2 and starcraft one um right. I, I for a while i was uh, running my own custom Ultima online server uh, <laughs> where i could like made my own uh my own world and i had like my own quests. and i was basically like a, a dm of my own little uo server for my friends and guildmates and stuff like that i was running guilds when i was like 15 16 years old so i was, like always super into games industry. Um, Actually, my first job, um, I think I was 16, and I was working from home remote for the Stratix network. I was like a a web programmer for Stratix, which was one of the main uh, fan sites for MMOs at the time, uh, Ultima Online in particular. And so I always wanted to do it. Uh, Went to school for computer science, uh, got into programming. And then um, pretty quickly after graduating, I got my first job at a a place called Cyberlore out in Western Massachusetts. I went to school at uh, UMass Amherst, uh, and they just happened to be like the one game studio in that area of western mass and so mm. uh, i was fortunate mm. enough to get the job there worked some, with some awesome folks uh, actually shared an office with uh, brenda romero at that job which was super cool for like my first job wow. uh, and then three months later uh the company went out of business and so wow. um yeah uh and so I, it was actually I mean, it, um, the, the folks who ran that place were amazing and they really helped everyone uh get on their feet after that and so um uh, after that I, I got the job at uh, collective out in california and then was mm. a uh, blizzard for a while and then epic. And so that's kind of uh, my path.
1: That's great. They were helpful and stuff like that. Cause sometimes you you hear those um, horror stories, you know, you show up in the telltale and you know, doors Mm -hmm. are shut and all that kind of stuff. So that's nice to hear that uh, there was some help with that. Um, Yeah. So what do you wish you had known when you had started? Like
0: one of the things that I I knew about, but I didn't really believe um, was that burnout is real and it is a Mm -hmm. real thing. um, and you know, I, I remember you know reading all about it in Game Developers Magazine or Gamma Sutra or just you know hearing about it in, in in general, uh and always thinking like, oh yeah, sure, I know that some people burn out, but like, but not me. Like, I'm I am i I'm, I'm right. cool. I'm, I'm into this, I love this, I have got energy, like I'm, I'm good, right? Like I'm you know, a passion. I, I'll work I'm through a it. Passion. It, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and so you know, I, I just I always thought that it wasn't gonna be a problem. Um, and then it just hits you very suddenly and it hits you way past. The the point like you really don't realize it as it's brewing, and even kind of even after you cross the line, I don't even think you realize. At least I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. um And so you know that's something I think that everyone should be aware of is that it does like like burnout isn't a sign that you don't love your job enough or that you're you know upset or or whatever. Like burnout can be lots of different things, and so really not only being mindful of it, which I think is part of the, the problem, but really setting up your your life, you know, everything you do, work um, to have those healthy boundaries and keep those healthy boundaries solid.
1: Yeah. Um that's yeah, a can of worms like I I I've said before, like I, I've gone through burnout numerous times and um yeah it's you know, I, I just like, that's it. I'm out basically every decade. I, I would do that in the industry and then yeah. I would get bored. And then, you know, let's say like Godfather two, I tried to get out and they keep pulling me back in, you, yeah, you know, that's right. like <laughs> I'm bored, but then it's like, I do, I want to go back into that. You, you know, and it always felt like you had to make a choice like, yeah, like bored and with reasonable hours or excited with insane hours. And um, yeah. it doesn't have to be like that. Right. You, you know, that's right. You, you need that's to right. Smarter you smarter about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, while I was going through it, I had a real like crisis of identity as well, because like, like I mentioned before, like this, like my whole life, I wanted to work in games. And so, uh, you know, here I am at the time, I guess I was 37 uh, when I was, when I was going through 36, somewhere around there and realizing like, Oh man, like, is this like, am I done with games now? Like, is this mm-hmm. is this it? Like, I, I can't yeah. do this anymore. And if I don't do this, then what do I do? Like, you know, I, this is all I know. This is my entire, you know, career. And, you know, do I just go like write software for some bank or something? Like, you know, no, that sounds awful. That's not, that's not who I am. And <laughs> right. so, you know, it's just, it was a, such a crisis of identity that, you know, I, I definitely was someone who really wrapped up my identity in what I did for work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I think in in, in some ways is, is fine and cool. And you know, I am proud of the work that I've done. But, you know, I, I think it just comes back to those boundaries again of uh, mm-hmm. making sure that there is a life outside of work and that it it's it's not like a it, it shouldn't be a tug of war. It instead can can be kind of there's there's work time and there's lifetime and, and keeping those boundaries up I think is important.
1: Yeah and I think that's key because once once it just blurs and um yeah. then you don't know up from down and you're yeah. just like in this vortex and then it just, you just keep doing it and you keep doing it yeah. until you reach that tipping point And then it, then it's, um, it's not pretty. Uh, yeah. yeah. I and, and modern
0: tools don't help with that, right? Like the smartphone makes this awful because now here we yeah. are, we've got email all day. We've got Slack pinging all day. We've got, you know, right. all these things that are, that are just, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you feel, at least I certainly felt that I, I had a team I was responsible for. My team was 65 people spread across the world. Uh, and, mm. and, you know, there's always something going
1: on at right. every hour.
0: And I always felt responsible of like, oh, but I got to help my teammate. They have a question. They need something from me right. or whatever. And we're um, down. Yeah, right. No, exactly. Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah, that's totally true. So, how did how did you work through it? Did you step away for a bit and then then come back in the industry, or or, or ch- change, or you know whatever you're comfortable? Yeah. with? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, actually, no, I, I do think it is important to be able to talk about mental health. I think that's that's really important. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I will share that I I went on a medical leave um, because there was it was more to it than just um, I, I want to say just it, for me it, there was there was the kind of the mental fatigue burnout aspect and also a physical manifestation as well uh, at the same time. And so I actually was seeing a doctor and they urged me to go on a medical leave. And so I think that really helped um, kind of give me a a reset so I could um, Mm -hmm. just kind of like work through it. And, And I was doing things I could go for a walk every single day. Um, and, uh, I was doing it even like twice a day, sometimes I thought that was really helpful to just kind of clear my mind. And I was able to focus on, uh, healthy things like exercise and food and cooking well, and like, like all that kind of stuff. And so that made a a really big difference. Um, and so, um, and then I ultimately turned that into a much longer, uh, break. Um, and so, um, I think that that was something that was just necessary for me um yeah
1: and uh yeah no th- th- and that's great and thank you for sharing and you know mental health and challenges around crunch uh, don't often get talked about enough and it, and it is yeah. real and um you know I-, I think the industry average is seven years right because people yeah get into it and then they get you know in that meat grinder and you know especially when there's like killer deadlines and yeah. stuff going on and and then it churns people out and it's like well what you know, yeah. what the hell is that? Like like you, the industry loses that knowledge base and is resetting all the time when, when people yep. grind out after seven years. Not to mention like, that's not fucking cool, right? Like it, yeah, it, exactly. it has a toll on people, right? So
0: that's right. And um, it doesn't have to be that way is right. ultimately the bottom line. Right. Uh, and so that's a really big thing of what we're doing with Lightforge in particular is making sure that we're uh, setting up a company that uh, from the very beginning is thinking about Doing the right thing, embracing mm-hmm. empathy, psychological safety, uh, healthy boundaries—all that kind of stuff—and you know, I know that a lot that's of great. startups say things like that, and um, you know, but but for us, it's it's a really important part of the mission of who we are. And at the same time, of course, we want to make an awesome game; like that's still really important. We want to be financially successful, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, balancing all those things is certainly important. But um, the initial impetus for starting the company really was around this idea of mental health.
1: Yeah, and it, it helps. People looking for a change, right? You, you attract yeah. talent for people that like, I, I don't want to go through that grind anymore. And um, yeah. you know, that, that's great. You guys did that. What advice would you give someone you know looking to get their first job now here in 2021?
0: I've always been a big fan of UX um, and empathy and empathy-driven design and things like that. And really mm-hmm. that, that to me means Thinking about things from the other side's point of view, you know, thinking of, you know, design from the player's point of view, or in this case, I think thinking about the team's point of view, mm-hmm. like what is the team? What, what What do you think the team is looking for? What do you think teams need right now? What do companies need? And, and really thinking about, um, how you can then position yourself to be that person that the the team needs. Um, This is something that I did in my own career years ago, where at the time I was subscribed to actual paper magazine, uh, game developers magazine. And I remember reading all the time that constantly in need of game, game tools, programmers, tools, programmers, everyone needs tools, programmers. There's not enough tools, programmers. Like it's always a big deal. And I was like, well, I'm a programmer. I can I can do tools. Like that sounds fine. That sounds like a cool thing. Like, yeah. I'm cool with that, right? right. Uh, and so I then positioned myself through college to learn the specifics around that particular uh, area. And mm-hmm. then after I graduated, there was a junior tools programmer position. I was fortunate enough; it was local, but you know uh, there were lots of tools positions open at the time. Uh, and so um, yeah. ultimately, I was able to to get a job and kind of I spent the first half of my career in tools. Then ultimately, I switched and, and really focused on UI uh, for the for the latter half. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, um, it's something that I think that for a lot of the different disciplines that are out there, we've become so specialized. Uh, And some of those specializations are hyper needed. And like right now, I would say that it is UI still, that is very much needed for a lot of teams, especially these games as a service projects. Um, You know, a lot of games, their entire business model lives within the UI space. All of retention, all of monetization are living in UI screens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there's just a constant need for UI programmers, UI artists, UI designers. And so if it's something that you uh, think you would be interested in, uh, I think it's something that could be, um, it's something that I know is needed, Uh, and so it tends to, is because of the, the higher demand it tends to be easier to get attention there's a little bit less uh competition and so if you're looking to get your foot in the door and you're you're willing and able to do work such as UI or pick other specialty uh you know yeah. server programming is another one or uh, tech art is always needed like things like that uh find the specialty that makes sense for you um, and learn about it and if you're interested in it you're going to have a better time uh, than the the positions that tend to get uh, a million candidates.
1: That's great advice because there is, you're totally right. There's always a need for tools. Yeah. There, there is those needs. And, and spe- you know, especially around UX, like um, here in Chicago, the uh, uh, DePaul University has this uh, master's in experience design, which is really focused around UX and around interviewing and, and understanding psychology around screens and wireframes and all that kind of stuff. That's, right. That's huge. And, and then on the, the tool side of uh, helping with builds and making things yep. pile faster and perforce and Taking something that would take 10 minutes and making it 10 seconds, um, those are huge wins. And, and, and companies always need those kind of people. And, and sometimes they don't get the the glamour of, you know, gameplay engineer, right?
0: Yeah. And, and I've, I've spent my entire career either the first half was in tools programming, art tools programming, and the second half was on like the UI menu screens of the front ends for StarCraft, here's the storm, uh, Fortnite, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I've never once felt that I wasn't working on a game or the game. Right, oh, yeah. I always felt like I was doing super awesome, fun, critical, important stuff. Um, and so, anyone who's out there and being like, "Oh, but you know, it doesn't sound fun to make the tool, or it doesn't sound fun, you know, it's, it's it's not the game if you're making the the achievement mm-hmm. screen or something yeah, like that," like right, that hasn't yeah. been my experience. My experience was that those are just as much part of the game and just as fun to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to anyone who's who's thinking about that, like you know, take it from me. I I I feel like I'm a game developer just as much as any you know designer or gameplay programmer.
1: Yeah, no, and that, that's that's excellent advice. What about advice for somebody trying to advance their career now um, in the engineering or UX space? What are your ideas for those persons out there, three, five, eight years into the industry?
0: I, I think one of one of the things that I think is really important is that you know you're on a team always, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can make Stardew Valley by yourself, uh, and in that case, you don't care about the answer to this question if you're on a team if you're at a company then then you're on a team right yeah. and ultimately you know as you're advancing your career i think that it's it's just vitally important to be a part of the team right to to help to help your your, your team members to, um, to, to mentor the next generation, um, kind of coming up, uh, uh, up the ranks to learn from the people above you to assist the people on your team to, you know, to start learning, um, about the, you know, the, the workings of the business itself, because these are businesses and, and, and how can you contribute deeper or, or bigger? And so really, I think, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously I'm kind of skipping over the advance your skills, say up to date, et cetera. Cause I view that as, as table stakes essentially. Yeah. Um, I think to to go further um, it's really just, it's a matter of getting deeper into the understanding of the entire process of the larger team to be, to be the leader that ultimately the, the team and industry is going to be looking for as you're advancing your career. And a lot of companies make a big difference between like the lead and say a principal for a, Programmer, or artist, right. or whatever, and right. yeah. but even yeah. still, you know, if you're a principal and you're not a people lead, you're still a leader of the team, right? Yeah. You're still, you know, you're still a technical leader, exactly. a, a vision holder, things like that. Or if, if you're a principal artist or whatever it might be, mm. uh, and so I think that really developing uh, the kinds of skills that that let you kind of be that leader to communicate your vision, to be a mentor to others, things like that, I think is is how you ultimately advance your career.
1: Yeah, and that's great too, because right, you know, it's more of the. Management track versus the individual contributor track, but even those people in the the IC track are the go to people for stuff, right? Yeah, that's you know, right. They don't sit there with their headphones and tune out the world and write code or do art. They are still answering right. questions, and they're the you know the SMEs, the subject matter experts. So people go to yep. them, and that's right. Um, yeah, you you need to be able to answer and mentor and, and help with the questions. And stuff. Yeah, and this kind of bleeds into the next question, which is you know your advice around developing interpersonal skills, EQ you know, soft skills, mm-hmm. like, like, what are your thoughts about that? You have kind of touched on it before.
0: Oh, I mean, I think that EQ, empathy, things like this are critically important. I'm one of those people that I'd go so far as to say the most important human skill of all is empathy. Um, and so I think that yeah. they are cr- critically important. Um, they, they help with everything from conflict resolution to kind of predicting problems or, or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, how to develop them. Uh, I mean, first off, it's kind of, Uh, being a listener and, and always practicing listening and, and really thinking through what the other side might, um, might be thinking or what their challenges might be. Or, or you know, like one, one yeah. example is that it's very common for like, you know, developers and publishers to have like an adversarial relationship and you can get like a programmer being like, oh, the, you know, stupid marketing person had, yeah. A had, of, annoying, had, had yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like, oh, I remember this one case, like someone was pointing out like, oh, they had this typo in this, you know, email blast that went out. Like, you know, are they even checking their work or whatever? And I'm like, I was like, Hey, you know, this is their bug. Right. Like you have bugs. They're live right now. I can look at Jira. I can see the six hundred right. whatever, like this right. is their bug. And it's, you know, they're under the gun too. They've right. got a lot of stuff going on. Things change last minute for them too. Right. Like yeah. we're all struggling, right. We're all trying to figure out how to, cool. how to just kind of keep this, keep this game going. Um, and so, you know, I think it's just, it's always keeping that kind of stuff in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm also, um, like my personal style is I I like, I like classroom environments. I like books. I like, I like learning. I like listening and, and kind of learning from others. Um, and so I think that a lot of my kind of, um, advancement in the like earlier days as I was going up, like through the management track or whatever it was, um, you know, just reading a ton of different, um, management books or, um, things like, um, you know, just, working with others kind of uh, books or podcasts or or things like that, I think can be just really important to just help you um, learn, learn tips and tricks and tools that eventually become habit and natural. But, uh, you know, sometimes you you practice them and they'll be awkward at first um, and then you get better at them over and over and
1: then they become second nature. Yeah. You know, always want to be learning, right? Like, like, how can I get better at something? You know, it's kind of like that growth mindset, right? Where you're not like, yeah. Well, this is the world. This is the way it is. So it's just the way it is. Yeah, I know. It, is, right? it is what it is. No, it's like like how do you, how do you improve and, and and not always be in a conversation, just waiting for a pause to interject, right? But actually listening mm-hmm. to what the person is saying and not just trying to like uh, you know snowball somebody and just uh, speak over them and everything. But like, what are they actually saying? Not just like trying to just push your point across all the time. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please go to patreon.com. Backslash game dev advice. We'd love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out. That's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in Team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by the Real Cost and the FDA.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think that a lot of a lot of game developers, a lot of uh, a lot of folks, I think, um, certainly of, of my generation of, of game developers, uh, view themselves as like I don't know not uh people people or or you know yeah. oh i just i got into programming so i don't have to deal with people kind of thing right, right? i just yeah. want to put on the, the the headphones and type code and you know i'm the grumpy computer person or something like that uh-huh. um and i think i think first off that's not that's not what a team needs, mm-hmm. you know, to be perfectly honest. Right. Yeah. I, I would rather take, um, you know, I, I, I take a, someone who's going to work on the team way before I would take like that star cowboy programmer who doesn't want to work with anyone. Cause that's not what you need on a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I don't view that any of that stuff is uh, static anyway. Uh, it's, it doesn't have to be who that person is. If someone kind of is self-identifying, I guess someone who's like, oh, I don't like people. It's like, well, you don't, have to be that way always like you know you can practice and yeah. you know get to know people and you know maybe you're not actually as as uh um maybe you don't dislike people as much as you as you say or think you do like you know i, th- I think that um mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing that ultimately people can um they, they can learn yeah it's a, sk- it's a skill like any other right, right. they can learn right. they can practice they can make mistakes they can get better and it's you know it's okay
1: yeah it, it's almost like a shield in a cop-out right like they just put that up and just like i don't talk to people i I don't want to do that because um they're afraid right they they don't have to deal with stuff and so they kind of hide behind that i'm not a people person i'm a grumpy person yeah i think so um what's been one or two of your favorite games or projects to work on um i've been very
0: fortunate to work on some really really cool games um Mm -hmm. Certainly my first love is, and it will always be StarCraft 2. Um, I was a huge yeah. StarCraft 1 fan. It was one of my favorite games as a kid. And getting to work on it was um, like an absolute joy and thrill. Um, a really cool, fun story is that the day I started on StarCraft 2 it was it was like the weekend after they had um they had announced in Korea that the StarCraft 2 was a thing mm-hmm. and Penny Arcade had done a um an article uh, a um a comic right on, Penny Arcade, uh, someone's yeah yeah on and the comic was about someone's first day at blizzard on the starcraft 2 team and that was my first day at blizzard on the starcraft 2 team it was so cool and i just thought it was like you know i was like 23 or something i was i was a kid yeah uh i just thought it was the greatest thing ever eventually i got it i got a print of it and i got them to sign it and i told them the story it was a really cool thing um but yeah starcraft starcraft will always have a place in my heart um and then um and then of course Fortnite was just a Crazy train, and it was yeah. so cool to be a part of something that became such a phenomenon. I mean, Fortnite made dancing cool for middle school boys. Like, <laughs> like that's insane. Uh like that was like the power of it. Uh, you know, I was watching, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, but you know, you, you see Fortnite in lots of media now, right? Yeah. And the last, the last place I would have ever thought to to see to see Fortnite. Avengers was fine, right? Like it makes sense. It's the same target demo, yeah. right?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm watching Handmaid's Tale. And Fortnite comes up. Wait, what? It's like Handmaid's Tale. Like this is not the place I would have expected to see Fortnite. Um, And so, just like that kind of um, kind of reach that that game had was was super cool. And it was was cool because we were like we're constantly fixing problems that had never been solved before, right? Yeah. Um, You know, the the problems of scale, and you know, it was it was it was such a cool project in so many ways.
1: From my understanding. Please correct me where I'm wrong here, but it was, yeah, something was, like, prototyped, and it was just just seeing what was going to happen, and it just kind of took off organically, and then it was, you know, like a meteor, right? It just, like, blew up, and then it's, like, right, like, you know, we had 10,000 players, and the next day, we had 10 million players, like, holy (laughs) shit, what are we going to do, you know? just yeah just being on the front yeah, lines of that that would be pretty
0: That's right. And then wild. I mean just and, and and surfing that that tsunami of a wave while trying to build the rest of the game at the same <laughs> time and doing it while like breaking breaking new ground. I mean um mm-hmm. I my my team was the team that did crossplay for example and oh, like that wow. was such a cool project and i just felt like you know that was a moment of like wow okay we are changing the industry here too like this isn't just about like making a cool game that we have to be working on like yeah. we pushed for a thing that now is becoming more and more standard, standard. and i'm a true believer of crossplay like i'm I'm, a, I'm absolutely a true believer in that and so um it was really cool to to get to work
1: on stuff like that that penny arcade you mentioned it was um the date myself there was far side i remember the comic oh, book yeah. stuff of course. And, and there was like this picture of like The pimple face, kid in glasses, playing you know video games, and the and the parents were like dreaming about you know hundred thousand dollars, kill goombas, you know like yes, that's right, a big joke, (laughs) like like oh, but he's he's planting the seed for his future career, and 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 when you saw that farce, it was like comical, right? Like nobody does real games for a while oh yeah thing, you know but it was like that far side I still have that that always used to oh yeah up well
0: and, now of course you've got you just you've got twitch with the actual players making yeah. that insane <laughs> amount of money and right. making more money than the developers in many cases right
1: yeah 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 that's, that's like a whole <laughs> new world that yeah. that wasn't around what about a potential threats do you see to the industry and, and opportunities
0: I think from the threats standpoint um, I think that one of the the, the problems is going to be if the big companies don't get their shit together to be perfectly honest, right? Like in terms of how, how they develop games, how they uh, treat their employees and players and things like that. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like every week there's another big article about some sad bad disappointing thing that's happening at one of the big cities. and I get it they're targets um and right. so the press is going to look for for problems but uh, mm-hmm. i mean problems are legitimate too so right. um, you know i really think that they've got it they, they've they've got to get their shit together yeah. um and you know i think that if not um all that we were talking about before um in terms of the the brain drain and stuff like that is just going to continue mm-hmm. uh, and that can be a real threat to the industry
1: yeah what about opportunities? Like, what are you excited about? Like, you know, um, crossplay and all these kind of things. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, there's. The crossplay is, is a great example, but the the one that comes to mind right now is kind of almost the opposite um of, of the big company problem. And that's the the startup space right now that's that's going on. There's just been this massive explosion in new startup companies. And what I love about it is these companies have all kind of like huddled together in the dark. Um and we're we're like collaborating and you know, sharing ideas and sharing learnings and working together. Uh and you know, these are all I'm a part of um uh, a bunch of different groups of of startup companies that, you know, the CEOs, we, we all just chat about various topics and help each other and learn. And oh. like I said, collaborate. Uh, and you wouldn't think that that's how it would operate. Like yeah. I never expected it'd be that collaborative and that helpful among everyone, but it, it makes sense too. Cause I know a lot of these people anyway, and they're everyone's, you know, these are all amazing people who are all yeah. starting new companies for about the same reason. And hmm. Uh, hmm. I just think it's, it's such a awesome, friendly place. Um, and I think that this is, this is how you get innovation. Um, you know, I think that it, it's the, the kind of the VC ecosystem I think is better suited to innovation than say the big company publisher ecosystem. Cause the VCs are looking to make bets. Like that's their whole business yeah. model is, you know, they'll make 20 bets, assume and that one's got hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so um, they really are truly looking for innovation and cool new, uh, cool new ways to, to to make games, and you know they're all hoping that the the company they invest in turns into the next Roblox. And I'd say the yeah. Ro- Roblox is very innovative game, or you know, or or Epic or Minecraft or whatever the game might be, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and and the, when you look at a, across all of them, they are like the, the the template is highly innovative games, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to plant lots of seeds and see which ones take off. Uh, and doing it, what I see, at least my experience so far, has been um, in a very positive, supportive way
1: that's exciting to hear, right? Like I, I came through the days when and even within, within a, the same company, like management would pit teams against each other, right? Like yeah. people, and they wouldn't share technology and and yep. they would backstab each other. And, and it was like us or them, you know, and, and it was, and that was like the philosophy, like, you know, survival of the fittest, let's throw them out there. And, and whoever can't, you know, uh, rise to the occasion. And, You know, just thinking back to that, this is kind of dumb, right? It's like the same company. Like, so the fact that you're, yeah. uh, you know, part of this group, you know, of other people at other companies, you know, in, in this same space, but that you're collaborating and and working yeah. together, that's really refreshing to hear. That that's
0: yeah. It it it, it looks a lot more like, like group therapy sessions in a lot of ways, <laughs> where like we'll get together and there'll be you know you know eight, 10, 15 of us, whatever it is, yeah. and we're we'll, we'll all just openly share with each other in a very safe space kind of way, and it, it's it's great. Yeah. Um. And you know, it's 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 yeah. You know, like I said, it's, it's very supportive.
1: Right, and people will be like, man, I don't have to deal with this. And someone's like, hey, I got an idea. You know, I did. I tried this exactly. and it worked. And you know, and yep. you know, it's probably Slack or or Zoom or something like that. But yeah, that yeah. you know, when you're all remote now, that you can do those kind of things. And
0: that's right.
1: That's really refreshing. That um, I'm, uh, I'm more optimistic about things sometimes <laughs> now than I uh, from from my days of past. So no, that's great to hear. Um, Good. What about thoughts on AR and VR?
0: I do have an Oculus uh, collecting dust in the corner of my room here. VR, I, you know, I just don't have a lot of experience with VR in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do think that there's some cool technology there ultimately, but um, you know, I, I do think it. I mean, it's becoming. Uh, less tethered—that's important. Right. It's becoming smaller—that's important. These are yeah. all the right things. I do expect that over time it'll 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 improve. AR, on the other hand, I think is a lot more interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. AR is super cool, uh, mostly because the power requirements are just less. And so you can get smaller and less tethered uh, quicker uh, in the AR space. Right. Um, and so I think there's a lot of really interesting applications with it. Um, you know, it's not something that I have spent a lot of time thinking about or working on, um, but I'm interested in AR. I mean, even outside games, like I, I I want AR on my like windshield of my car and stuff like that for all those different kind of assistance things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah
1: it is great to have reduced the tethering and the weight and the size and the cost. Um, And I'll say it again, but it's, facebook and zuckerberg and ads and what are they doing Uh, with the data and all that kind of stuff and that just kind of creeps me out a little bit i
0: I put that in the same category i was just reading an article about the facebook ads in oculus uh today Hmm. uh and i put that in the same category as as a threat if the big companies aren't getting their shit together
1: yeah it's going to turn people off right like you're trying to get them in this this medium and um like oh shit now i gotta watch an ad in 3d um yeah so here's a question and it's a big one but like what's a funnier Odd story from working in the industry and I'm sure you have plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh it's
0: you know, it's it's hard to pick pick yeah. the right one, but um pick I think one you need, Yeah, whatever works. Yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> I think, I think one one fun one, because it's particularly embarrassing for myself, um, <laughs> <laughs> was um, so after StarCraft 2 Heart of the Swarm uh, came out, or as it was coming out, I was uh, invited to go to Korea as part of the announcement. So they sent two of us. They, they sent, the way that Blizzard did their global announcements at the time was they'd send two devs to all the different regions. And so I got selected with one other to go to, to Seoul, Korea, which is, of course, cool. like Mecca mecca of StarCraft. Oh, yeah. But that, that yes. was, it was It's awesome. religion, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so we're there for a whole week and we're, you know, touring the different, uh, uh, PC bangs and, uh, you know, we're doing different events and esports events. And of course it all culminates in the global launch and the way that of course time zones work is that Korea is also mm-hmm. the opening, uh, of all of the events. It's, uh, you know, it's the first one to, to, to go live. Right. Um, and as, as part of it, they had this big televised stage event, Um, and you know, they would do almost like the new year's thing where it's like, you know, and every hour they like, <laughs> (laughs) you know, go to the next region or whatever it is. Right. So it all starts with Korea though. Korea is number one. Right. Um, and so part of it is, you know, they want to kind of parade us on stage and wave Mm. as part of the, as part of the thing. And, um, kind of the, the morning of uh one of the the people from the blizzard office in korea was like ah oh, you know it'd be really cool is if you can like welcome this with by saying this phrase in korean and i don't <laughs> speak korean at all Uh-oh. right like not at all oh no uh and they they write this down in like um kind of phonetic so that i can kind of understand it i was memorizing it all day uh just like really focused <laughs> uh, like okay I, I got this i got this i got this and i actually i think i i, I had it pretty well right okay. um and so on stage uh it was about to go on stage, they they kind of call us on. We go go on there. I, I start to wave. You know, they welcome me on. They they saying right. something in Korean to welcome me or whatever. And I'm supposed to say this this line, and I just full on like I have no memory of it at all. I completely <laughs> blank. I'm sitting there. This is like this live broadcast. I don't know. There's probably a million people watching it or whatever it was. And I'm just like frozen on stage with like no memory of what to say. I'm kind of blank. You know, everyone's like silent. Uh, I was like a nightmare scenario. So and, it gets- uh, yeah, exactly. And so I just wave. And I said, like the one word I learned was, thank you. Kamsamnida. <laughs> and, stage, and here's, here's the bullshit of all that to this day, I still remember that phrase right. like I still remember that phrase wow like it's like it, like burned into my memory but I just I didn't have it at that moment and of course afterwards I get back they're like so what happened on stage like you seemed like really nervous or something I was like yeah I was supposed to say this thing remember so, yeah
1: right and, and you memorize decades later like "Oh, yeah still I mean it's, right. it's been
0: literally this 2013 it's been eight years and I still remember that phrase <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Being on stage and those kind of things is weird, right? Because it, it, uh, it, it messes with your brain a little bit. And you, uh, yeah, I've had a couple of events where I've been online or on camera, um, yep. on stage. And it's like, uh, if you're not used to it and, um, you're not comfortable with it, it can be, it can be weird. So, yeah, yeah. yep. Could you worked through it and you said something so that, that's positive yeah oh and
0: just in case anyone's curious what what that means is now is the time for heart of the swarm apparently so oh. uh <laughs> that's what they wanted me to say
1: <laughs> they should just like what's korean for play like just yeah that, right? exactly <laughs> exactly go in Korean. <laughs> um no it must have been a very uh fun event and uh exciting is that again, right. I mean, it's televised events, you know, it is, it is like they're, uh, it is a culture and a. And a oh yeah and, uh, they
0: and they, they made a really big deal out there like there were buses with start like kerrigan's face plastered across the bus thing <laughs> um we did a press release or press conference with like the full-on thing like you'd expect there was like 40 oh. journalists all flashing cameras and we're like answering <laughs> questions and like you know it was it was cool i don't think any other region did that level of stuff <laughs> yeah right. um, but uh like they, they took
1: it very seriously out there. right you're playing rockstar so like where's my water no, I said sparkling water, <laughs> well, sparkling water. And that's funny. Cause like, I mean, I'm not a
0: rock star by any stretch, but they had like handlers for us that kept asking us, can we get you anything, sir? Can you get you anything, sir? Like, and I was like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll have some water. Oh, but actually the other thing too, is in Korea, apparently they don't believe in water at all. Like, uh-huh. um, Soju, it,
1: it, it's all soju right yeah
0: exactly like the entire time i was there it was drinking it was drinking beer and soju eating spicy food and very salty food <laughs> i was not more dehydrated than i've ever been in my life um it, it was uh it, it, i asked for water a couple times at a restaurant uh and they bring out this like little thimble like they're confused why you would want water
1: <laughs> <laughs> they like, say more soju they're like no no yeah. i went i water water yeah, dehydrate all this spicy chicken and uh yes soju. exactly <laughs> I, my tongue is stuck to the roof of my mouth and i have a hangover like, yes no exactly sure <laughs> yeah so you? no stop <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's that's fantastic um is there anything i should have asked you about but didn't like hey what about this
0: i really don't have anything else and we talked a lot about um Remote culture, that's something they that do also feel strongly about. I do think that uh, the future is all remote truly. And and we set up Lightforge to be all remote even before uh COVID was was a thing. Right. Um, you know, we believe that it was 2020 at the time. We're like, hey, we're starting a company in the year 2020. What does a company look like? three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years from now, what's the next generation? Gen Z is already in the marketplace, in in, in the workplace. You know, what does it look like as they start to come up and the next generation behind them? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we made a very conscious choice that, um, all remote is is critical to who we are as a business we also believe you know we talked a lot about, about empathy as well that there's nothing more disruptive that a company can do to someone's life than to ask them to relocate for a job and we didn't want to do that we've done it our you know we've been asked many times ourselves to relocate you know lived yeah. all over uh, and i didn't want to ask anyone else to move where i wanted to live uh, and so we set ourselves mm-hmm. up to be all remote from the very beginning set up all of our communication channels everything we do um and that also means that we've got um well being all remote we've got people in, in Scotland we've got uh, someone in Hawaii wow. we've already got a 12 hour time gap uh, so we don't we don't have core hours we actually mm-hmm. practice non, non-linear work days uh, for whatever each person is you know needs that's correct for their lifestyle um, we practice mm-hmm. asynchronous communication so like we're, we're really trying to develop in a very different way this all is connected to all the stuff that we've been talking about yeah. um, and I think it's uh, it's it's working really well I'm, I'm really happy with how it's turning out I think it's, a, it's absolutely a new way to work um, and I hope that this is something that can really be a trend within the industry
1: yeah and, and that's great it's not just north america like so like you're saying hawaii which is from you like nine hours oh, uh it's huh.
0: eight it's eight it's eight hours eight. from the east okay. coast yeah. and then scotland is uh five hours the other direction from the east coast i guess we're 13 13 yeah. hours.
1: Okay. Is there, Yeah, anyway. Tools, yeah. like, is it the traditional Zooms and Slacks and things, or is there other stuff? There?
0: We're actually, we're, we're, we're using a virtual office piece of software um, that is uh, amazing, but it's kind of like a private test right now that we have through okay. connections that we have. Um, and um, hmm. it's it's fun cool. because it's actually, it's made by game developers. So they get a lot of the, the kind of human-computer interaction stuff and make it more Fun in a lot of ways than what you get for Zoom, which is just like totally utilitarian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we we view it as a virtual office uh, more so than just um, video chat. Uh, okay. And so people people hang out in there, and it's got it's got all sorts of fun features in it um, that, that I won't get into, get into right now. Yeah, but it's that's, um, that's right. it's something that um, really has changed how we we work. Um, and so that that's a big part of it. Uh, we use Miro a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. We use Slack, but Slack is really for um, kind of um, transient conversations. Uh, we also use Notion for conversation or, or uh, documents that are supposed to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, we've given a lot of thought into how we communicate, uh, what's urgent versus not urgent, right. You know what channels we use. And so uh, I think we've really settled on something that um, works nicely for at least the size we're at right now. I can't claim that this would work for a 5,000 person company, yeah, um, yeah. but for 11 people, it's working really well.
1: It's cool that you've been able to kind of just net bolt that on, but like, or retrofit it, but like from the ground that's up right. that you did it that way. Um, and, and, and again, that's smart, right? Like your, your talent pool expands oh, yeah. dramatically when you're not like trying to re- recruit from a, a 80 mile radius. Of, that's
0: right. You know, and what, what we've had is, um, a number of the people after we, um, after we hired them, they relocated out of the cities that they were living in and to places where there are no game developers uh, because that's where they wanted to live for their lives. We actually yeah. have one person who's a digital nomad. Um, he he floats around uh, and, and has his kind of small form factor computer that he brings with him everywhere right. uh, and, and goes and visits family and friends and stuff like that. And so uh, it really empowers just an entirely different kind of lifestyle than living in Orange County or LA or uh, mm-hmm. Montreal or Seattle or wherever it is.
1: Yeah. The, the biggest thing, which is kind of ubiquitous now is, you know, uh, a solid internet connection, right? So it's, yeah, that's, a- that's what you really need. That's your pipeline. And then you just yep. have your tools and and figure out how to make it work um, yep. and be responsive, but then also know when there's time to be away. So yep. yeah, hats off to you guys. That's uh, it's great that you set it up that way and it, and it seems to be succeeding. So cool. Um, where can people find you online, like a website, Twitter, things like that?
0: Yeah, so um, Lightforge can be found at lightforge.gg. Um, and we've got Twitter at Lightforge Games. Um, I can also be found on LinkedIn via my name, Matt Schimberry. And um, you can also, uh, my name's a little harder to spell. You can find it on our yeah. website. I'll it's connected the from notes. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: It's like my name. Uh, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, that's
0: cool. Yeah, exactly. And I'm also on Twitter at Matt Schimberry.
1: And then just, you know, last question, like what's one piece of advice you give others working in the industry right now? Embrace empathy.
0: Yeah. I think that's the most important thing that, that we can do as an industry. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think it would, it would help solve a lot of the problems that we're currently facing. And I think it makes better games. I think that it just, it, the, the games will come out better in the end.
1: Right. And understand what's going on with the player and not just like, I'm just doing it that Sorry. way because I'm doing it. That's why I want to do it. I'm not going to listen to players.
0: What's the player feeling? You know, what are their motivations? Why are they doing this? Why is the programmer feeling this way? When the programmer writes code, how is the artist going to use the code that they just wrote? Like it's, it's, I mean, I think it's just, Mm. um, this is how humans, this is how society functions. And so, um, you know, I think that that's, that's probably the most important piece of advice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think downstream, not just like throw it over the wall and like your problem now, uh, you, you know, exactly. but like, how are they going to receive it? And then where do they go from it with yep. it? And then where does it go from there? So that's right. Cool. Well, thank you, Matt. Thanks for being on tonight and um, really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.